be seated. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church version 2020. We especially welcome those of you who are visiting with us. There are visitor uh, forms in the pews, racks in front of you. If, if you would fill those out, put them in the offering plate a little later, that would give us a chance to connect with you. As Calvarians, we spent the month of December waiting in darkness for the light of Christ to come. Each week, we lit another candle around the Advent wreath until Christmas Eve night when we lit the Christ candle in the middle. Then we rushed out of the sanctuary when it was all over. We packed up the candles till next year. But you are the candle that needs to leave this place. We are now people in the light. What does that mean for you? What about our calling to live in the light? What about our calling to let the light shine on a city, on a hill? What does it mean for us individually and together as members of this church to be children of the light, the flame, the fan, the flame that is within us. Starting today and throughout the month of January, that's what we're going to talk about as we gather for worship. How we might more fully and faithfully live in the light of Christ that has come into our world. Let that light shine in this service as you sing, as you listen, as you pray.
praise, your light is come. The morning burst in song. Rise up like eagles on the wings. God's prayer make us strong. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for another day. Thank you for another year. You've done it again. Father, you've allowed us to... Uh, have an opportunity to praise your name. Father, you've given us another opportunity to bless others. Father, I pray that we take uh, full advantage of that. Father, I pray that in this new year that you would show us the gifts that you have given us. Father, you have equipped us with everything that we need. Father, you've said it's finished. We're good. Let's go. So, Father, I pray that you help us fulfill in Matthew and allow us to let our light shine before others, that others may see your good works and that others would glorify you in heaven. So, Father, I pray that uh, the words that are spoken here today would touch not only our lives, but our souls. And Father, that you would be even more real to us this year than in last year. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. Amen.
you are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy. You are worthy of praise. I will follow. I will listen. Kings, you're the mighty God, Lord of everything. You're Emmanuel. You're the great I am. You're the Prince of Peace. Who is the Lamb? You're the living God. You're the saving grace. You're the faith forever. You're the first of days. You're Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. You're the Savior. book of Exodus. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. They set out from Sakat and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they may travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. A reading from the book of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at his rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is shepherd, my people Israel. 
Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This, this is, is the, the word, word of, of the Lord. Lord. Thanks be to God.
Will the children please come join me at the front for the children's message? How are you guys? Good. Are you a little sleepy? Yeah, you've gotten too much sleep over this break. You gotta get back to school. <laughs> okay, well, I want you to imagine with me that you're on a journey. You're walking somewhere you've never been before. How do you know where to go? Tell me some ways you find a new place. Instinct, okay, GPS. My instinct always leads me astray. Yeah, GPS, maybe a map. Memory. Memory. Yeah, retracing your steps if you've been there before. Those are all good thoughts, good suggestions. Call a cab. Call a cab. They should know where to go, you're right. <laughs> good thoughts. But when God's people, the Israelites, left Egypt, they didn't follow a map or a GPS or instinct or a cab as we... Yeah, as we just heard in Exodus chapter 13, when God led the Israelites out of Egypt, he showed them the way through a tall tower of clouds that was in front of them during the day. And at nighttime, God showed up as a tall tower of fire. The fire reached high into the sky so that all of Israel could see it. The fire was in front of them as they walked or as they slept, and it showed Israel that God was with them and was guiding them. So at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus has come and that Jesus is the light of the world. During Advent, we lit those candles that were standing right over there. They're gone now, but in the big white candle in the middle, which represents Jesus, who is the light of the world. Just as the Israelites followed the giant tower of fire out of Egypt, we too follow Jesus, who is the light of the world. When we follow Jesus by asking him to be Lord of our lives, we shine so that other people can see Jesus too. It's like our memory verse for this series, which comes out of Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. You can repeat it after me. It goes, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Isaiah 61. Awesome. This week, I want you to think about ways that you can arise and shine. Maybe that looks like praying for the person you met who doesn't have a home, or being kind to your brother or sister, or finding a way to show God's love to your mom or dad. Just as God was light when he led the Israelites by fire, and just as Jesus is the light of the world, Jesus also wants us to be lights in this world by living in ways that bring glory to him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being the light of our lives. We thank you for sending Jesus at Christmas to be the light of the world and to live a life that was perfect and to die for us and rise again, Lord, so that we might have life with you. I pray that you would show us how to, have, um, how to be your light in this world, Lord, and how to arise and shine. For you have come, Jesus, into our lives. In your name I pray, amen.
dust is calm in wilderness and desert our tribe shall make its home our slavery left behind us new hopes within us grow we seek the land of promise where milk and honey flow lead on O fiery Good morning, everyone. Uh, once again, I am not Mary Alice Birdwhistle, and once again, I will not be singing. But <laughs> if you weren't already aware, or if you're visiting with us today, uh, Mary Alice is in Alabama. Our dear sister Brenda Bradley passed away on Wednesday after a stout fight with cancer, and Mary Alice is there with Randall and Isaac and Hannah and uh, she gave the sermon for the funeral service yesterday. So they're all traveling back today. I want to ask that you would join me in prayer for them as they return home. God, we want to lift up Mary Alice and all those who traveled to be at Brenda's funeral yesterday. God, we pray for their protection on that journey home. We pray for all those among us who are hurting because of the loss of Brenda. In particular, God, we pray for Randall and Isaac and Hannah as they navigate the loss of their spouse and mother. God, we pray that you would draw near to them and ask that you would draw near to us this morning as well. Amen. Though I am not Mary Alice and though I will not be singing this morning, I must admit that Mary Alice's sermon series title has gotten a lot of songs in my head. A few examples Shine by Soul Collective, for those of you who were alive in the late 90s. Um, 
Ever the Contrarians, the Ava Brothers, Down with the Shine. And there have even been a few titles that have kind of worked their way into my own imagination. Uh, Shine on, You Crazy Immortal Diamond. That one is uh, five parts Pink Floyd and one part Richard Rohr. <laughs> the feast day of Epiphany is tomorrow. It's a tradition in the church to celebrate the coming of the Magi to meet the Christ child. It's this word, this moment that appears, or that refers to this appearing of God, of our understanding and finally seeing of a light that is shining that we can see. Throughout this series, we're going to be talking about the light and how it is that we can begin to follow it in our lives. I imagine that when they first saw the star, the magi, or wise men, as they were called in this translation, I imagine they were skeptical. So many stars, and I personally can barely pick out Orion's belt, but these were people who knew the stars, who had learned to read them, followed them through the seasons, and so I imagine there was quite a stir among them when they saw this star, a sign in the heavens. I wonder if they began to call out to one another, come and see, confirm the thing that I have seen. Do the numbers again, someone likely shouted. Having studied, consulted, and confirmed, they decided to set forth from the same land from which the light arose to chase a star across the horizon, not knowing where the journey would lead. So many days and nights, their anticipation rising as they scrambled up hillsides and falling again as they crested hilltops, now seeing the light resting on the shoulder of the hill in the distance. Yet they continued, following the light, believing in the sign. In the holy city in Jerusalem, no one had seen the light. No one had really been looking in the first place. The stars weren't the place they would look. And this is a deep question for me in this text. Not that the Magi saw the sign only, but that somehow no one in Jerusalem had seen it. In the book of Numbers, the prophet Balaam had spoken of a star of Jacob rising. The prophet Isaiah spoke of a rising light of God shining upon men. Isaiah even spoke of faraway kings appearing, bearing gifts for Jerusalem. Yet when these magi arrived from the direction where the light rises, the people of Jerusalem had no notion why they came. And so they were frightened at their question, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews. We observed his star at its rising and have come to pay homage to him. This was a king that Herod and the leaders of Jerusalem did not expect a light that they had not seen. To feel like you're in the dark can be frightening. So Herod called together the leaders of Jerusalem the chief priests and the scribes who studied their own history, searching for signs. And from these books, they knew the place. 
in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least of the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. They had the text. Why hadn't they seen the sign? Now, Herod is nothing if not politically astute, and so as the king, being careful to keep the scripture studiers separate from the star seekers called the seekers in secret, that was hard to say, (laughs) to learn from them exactly when the star had appeared. Two years, they said, two years. Do you have any guess how long the average New Year's resolution diet lasts? somewhere around 21 days. What about those resolutions to read the Bible in a year, to avoid cursing in sermons resolutions? I made it a week so far. Two years had passed since they first glimpsed the light, first made their guesses and calculations, first set out on their journey, following that light day after day, night after night, for two years. But then it's Herod who gave them their final clue that they needed, Bethlehem. The Magi were now nine miles north of their destination, nine miles after seemingly endless miles from their goal. Herod encouraged them, go, Search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me words that I may go and pay him homage myself. And perhaps he would have. Perhaps his words were true in that moment. It's true that losing power, losing position, losing control, losing wealth, losing influence is difficult. To know your rival the one who would remake your world, and then to go and praise them would be no easy thing and probably unlikely, more likely. We see in Herod's actions his fear. Fear of the threat of this kingship and therefore his separation of knowledge. Better to let the Magi go and search and not stir up too much interest among his own people. Just let them, him know so that when they found the child, he could take care of it. And so the ones who saw the star at its rising, who rose with it, followed once more until it stopped. I would note this is not a thing that stars do. And yet, at the foot of that starlight, these magi found a child and his mother. And they were overwhelmed with joy at a journey brought to its completion, to its purpose, a sign fulfilled. The king for whom they had searched was now found. So young and fragile a threat to Herod's world and to their own. Herod, we will later learn, will respond with death and destruction, but these magi, these wise men, looked upon an infant, And in the light of the star, they could see a king. And so they knelt and paid the infant king the homage to his station. 
After that, they took out their treasure chests and brought forth kingly gifts. And in a parting sign to these magi, they were warned in a dream to take a different path home and avoid Herod altogether. As we parse this story this morning, I want to pull out a few questions we've already mentioned and point out a few things that I think are important to note. Last week, we talked about our response to Christmas and more specifically, our response to the Incarnation. The threat of what it calls forth in us, how it changes the rules, how it questions the structures of our power, how differently Simeon and Anna responded to the Incarnation than did Herod. If this story is the setup for Herod's response, it also feels like an inverse in terms of the action. Until the Magi give their gifts, they are responding not to the Incarnation, but to hope, to the sign that they've seen, to the light that they have been given. In this moment, the Magi are all of us, the world waiting, looking for a sign, and seeing it, following after. The first question I want to jump into is one we've raised. Why didn't the folks in Jerusalem see the star? How did they miss this sign? Herod and the chief priests were insiders to Judaism. Herod and his family may have been converts, but the chief priests and the scribes would have been experts in the teachings of Torah and the prophets. How did their knowledge fail them? even though they were the insiders, that the outsider magi were the first to search for the child. I think it's important to note these were people who had followed the light before. As Scott and Joellen read a moment ago from Exodus, as the Israelites made their way across the wilderness, God led them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. God lit their way ahead, pointing them where to go next. And that experience is more than just a directional guide. Like the manna, the bread from heaven, it was given to teach God's people how to pay attention, to stay close. A direct and tangible experience to shape their memory and their imagination of how to follow the light. Walter Brueggemann once wrote an article about this text, and he notes the fact that the Magi were off by nine miles. They'd traveled who knows how far and gotten to Jerusalem, and they were off by nine miles. They needed this piece of information that the chief priests and the scribes had that they needed to go on to Jerusalem. They needed that piece of the puzzle. But they were so close. How is it that those who were so close hadn't seen? It seems from the text that they hadn't been looking. And and let's be honest, it's so very easy to turn from searching to studying. The Jews were not astronomers. They were scripture readers. Over time, they'd narrowed their search to the text in front of them. They knew the place but they didn't see the sign. When the sign came, they could not or did not read it because the sky was no longer a place they would think to look. 
church, it is easy to write the chief priests and the scribes off as self-congratulating rule followers, misguided in their religiosity, having exchanged a relationship with God for constructing boundaries around the correct ideas about God, around the correct way to interpret Scripture, and around God's people, who they were and who they were not. Thankfully, we as Baptists have never been self-congratulating rule followers. Misguided in our religiosity, having exchanged a relationship with God for constructing boundaries around the correct ideas about God, around the correct way to interpret Scripture, and around who God's people were and who they aren't. Am I right? The truly subversive aspect of this story is not that outsiders were included in it. The notion that somehow God's plan included more than just the Jewish people, that much had been clear since Abraham. The subversive part of this story is not that the sign came from the heavens rather than the scriptures. In my mind, the truly subversive aspect of this story is that the outsiders were the sign. The Jewish people had no reason to search the heavens for signs. They were looking in the text and they even knew the place. And yet, the sign that God gave came not only to the Magi, who were the religious outsiders, but to those who searched the heavens instead of the scriptures. So that in their searching, in their following the light, in their arrival and in their gifts, they became the sign to the people of God, pointing the way to their true king as they unpacked their gold and frankincense and myrrh. Jesus who we call the light of the world, the truest sign of God, was himself revealed in the light of these magi who had followed the light of the star to him. Church, I still believe that God speaks today. But I wonder, how have we narrowed our search? How have we constructed barriers around the means by which God can speak to us? Has our study of Scripture become less about knowing God and more about knowing about God? Has it become less about discovering the various ways that God has spoken over the course of history or more about content control and controlling the flow of information? Has it become less about discovering God freely at work in the world, or more about fencing God in? Is it more about God's safety or ours? Have we traded searching for studying? Have we traded worshiping the living God for worshiping a text that was given to reveal God? I believe that God still speaks today. But having so narrowly defined our own search, I wonder if we will have the humility necessary to hear the voice of God when God speaks, even if it comes from an outsider. We have a piece of the puzzle to share, but what you see in this story 
is that it took both parties to make the puzzle clear. It took the combination of the knowledge of the sign that the Magi had and the knowledge of the location the chief priests and scribes had to bring this story together. I wonder if we'd be willing to cooperate in the same way. Will we have the eyes to see the sign given to us by the outsider who has seen? Will we have the courage to journey alongside the Israelites of old, alongside the Magi, to follow the true light of God, Jesus Christ, wherever he may lead us? God, we thank you that you still speak. We are thankful that you correct our course over and over again. We pray that you would give us eyes to see you in this world and in the scripture and also the courage and the strength to follow wherever you might lead. This little, just kidding, I'm not going to sing. Maybe you're here today and have been searching yourself. You want to talk more with someone about what it means to follow Christ. Maybe you need prayer for your journey. Maybe you've even been following Christ for a long time. And you want to acknowledge that today publicly. Maybe you want to join this community as we seek to follow Jesus together. Whatever you need. Our ministers will be at the back of the sanctuary if you would like to talk. Time guy can never roll in.
given us freedom through your Holy Spirit to increase our offering, both now and for the future kingdom. Strengthen us to take hold of this promise and offer to you and our church our tithes and talents as an outpouring of your generosity to us. Amen. Darkness, seek out the Lord. 
We've got just a few quick announcements this morning, um, but before I jump into them, anybody else transported back to youth camp in like 1998 just now as we listen to carry your candle? Um, so a few quick announcements I want to get through. Um, one, and, and probably the most important one this morning, I mentioned earlier that Brenda Bradley passed away on Wednesday. There will be a memorial service here in Waco at First Baptist Church at 1 p.m. Um, so if you'd like to attend that, know that we'll, we'll have lots of people there. Oh, I'm sorry, January 18th, I believe, yeah. That's probably a helpful bit of information. Um, a couple of other quick things. We did meet our budget this year, and we are so thankful for the generous giving the Calvary family has contributed this year. One that Allie passed along to me, uh, there will be a youth lunch after church today. They're going to meet at Rudy's. Parents, you're welcome to be there. I have a seventh grade son who would probably not love it if I sat with them particularly. Um, so just know that that's part of us. But They'd be happy for parents to come. If not, if parents don't come, then please pick up your youth by 1.30 um, from that place. Make sure that you check the announcement sheet. We've got a lot of things there, a new Sunday school class, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. celebration, some, some different things going on. Please take a moment and check that out. Uh, I'm going to leave us with this blessing for the journey to follow the light this morning. God, be with us in every valley. Jesus, be with us on every hill. Holy Spirit, be with us on every stream, every cliff's edge, every green pasture, every moor and meadow, in the crest of the waves on the sea, each time we rest and each time we wake up. God, be with us every step we take. Amen.